are listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White and joining me today, as always, is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? Look, doing great. And, uh, you know, Jeff, it, it, it's just a fantastic episode that we have coming up. Um, I'm really excited for today's conversation. Yeah, I think it's pretty interesting, you know, a, a very, um, you know, an interesting career path and, uh, and way of thinking about, uh, about doing business. I'm really intrigued. <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, let's try dive in. I think it's gonna be fun. Yeah, I think, uh, I, I think better to, uh, to let our guest explain what he's doing than for us to try and recap. Exactly, it. we don't want to mess this up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So joining us today is Ryan Knox. Ryan is the Director of Marketing and Innovation, and it's the innovation part that I think is particularly interesting here, and he's with FlexFab. Welcome to the Cooler Ring, Ryan. Hey, thanks. Thanks, Jeff and Carmen. Happy to be here. No, Ryan, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. It's uh, always good to uh, get a chance to uh, chat with uh, interesting people doing interesting things, and uh, I think you uh, fit both of those uh, quite nicely. Let's just jump right into it. Can you introduce uh, our listeners a bit to uh, FlexFab and, and, and tell us a bit about you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So so FlexFab founded in, in 1961, so 60-year-old industrial manufacturing company has uh, really focused on manufacturing components for the transportation industry, really got our feet wet in aerospace. I always like to tell the, the origin story uh, real quick. Our, our uh, founder, Doug DeCamp, was, was making some silicone hoses for a couple industrial uh, markets. And some people from, from Boeing came to us and said, you know, hey, we heard you can make a silicone hose. We've been working on trying to make something for a couple of years that meets this this uh, performance requirement. What do you think? You give it a shot. And the next day, our founder had a had a working prototype. And ever since then, we've had a great relationship with companies like Boeing, companies like Daimler and Packard, Navistar. So we really enjoy. Uh, we, we've enjoyed a lot of success in the truck, auto. Uh, aerospace markets for for a number of years. Really cool, really cool. And how long have you been with the firm? Yeah, uh, I started in 2017, and we didn't have a lot of focus on marketing. I, I came on as the marketing director. We didn't have a lot of focus on marketing for the first 50 50 so years. Uh, and and when we uh, when they brought me on, my my primary goal was to figure out how to do some new and different things, and which is kind of right up my alley pretty exciting stuff, at least for me. It's pretty easy for me to get get excited. And so it's been, a, it's been a fun ride so far. I think it's pretty interesting to go from, uh, you know, 55 odd years of uh, not really having a marketing function to bringing someone in like yourself, and then decide that you're really going to go about this in a very different way. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've been I've been pretty lucky. Um, you know, I think people like me, I don't know if there's people that can relate to this who are listening. But uh, having that that uh, that ability, that autonomy to to do what I think is right, that's that's kind of that came along with with the the job description when I got started, and um, it's been pretty cool to have a lot of lot of uh, flexibility, let's say, to to figure out what's what's next. And you know, you gotta you gotta give credit obviously obviously to our ownership and whatnot for for thinking outside the box and. There's a lot of industrial uh, companies, and I imagine there's people listening to this there where they feel stuck and they don't know 
uh, how to get out of where they're at. Their their products are dying. Their their uh, become their products are becoming commoditized, and they're they're trying to figure out: Do we move from China to another low cost uh, manufacturing com- uh, country? Do we do we you know we want to innovate, but but man, it, you know we're so stuck in the whirlwind, and so you know I can definitely sympathize or empathize with with all of those out there struggling with that. And thankfully our culture is such, like that story I started with about uh, Doug solving a problem for Boeing. We've always been about solving problems, engineering solutions. And so I was able to kind of jump on that uh, and try to take advantage of uh, some new new spaces. Well, let's talk more about that and how you've done that uh, with an initiative uh, that you call FlexFab Digital. So uh, please introduce us to it and uh, and then we'll go from there. You know, you, you think back 200 years ago, we had the Industrial Revolution, right? And uh, it was a it was a process. Um, I think some people say that we're in the fourth Industrial Revolution. Uh, is my understanding was what people say. We we kind of see what's happening right now as a we like to call it the Industrial Evolution, and uh, that might not be the terminology that everyone agrees on, but for us, you know, you you think about you know, email coming to manufacturing and you think about uh, ro- robotic automation coming to, to manufacturing. And now what the movement is, AI, machine learning, additive manufacturing, using those types of uh, uh, advanced technologies to to be a better manufacturer, what, whether that's automating pro- uh, extremely manual processes or driving out costs or gaining insights or whatever that looks like. We saw this as a really obvious mega trend. And the funny thing is, is if, if you go to Silicon Valley or you go to some of these places, they're so far beyond what's real today in manufacturing at a place like Michigan. It's really hard for us to catch up with, with how far ahead they are. And so we just saw this as an opportunity regardless of if it's our OEM customers or it's companies like FlexFab manufacturing components, how can we be a part of the process, the evolution process of bringing some of these new technologies? It's going to happen. It's just a matter of if we're involved or not. And so that started within FlexFab and we're kind of trying to jump on with this initiative we call FlexFab Digital. Tell us, uh, Ryan, one of, one of the you know, um, as you were looking at what, you know, what's going on in the world from a a startup perspective, from a technology perspective, you know, obviously you didn't dive in immediately with the FlexFab digital side of things. What were some of the early learnings that you had and things that piqued your interest and made you realize that, you know, there, there might be something else out there that that we could be doing in addition to, uh, you know, manufacturing some of the most, um, you know, the, the best silicon hose, (laughs) <laughs> products out there, you know, Jeff, you're, you're talking about what I'm really, really passionate about, which is, which is strategic, uh, you know, strategic planning, strategic analysis, pivot, you know, pivot planning and, and analyzing what else can we do adjacencies, so on and so forth. And so, you know, it, it's hard for me to answer succinctly <laughs> that question, but I, I can tell you uh, what we, what we, the process that we tried to go through. So number one, we, we had to look at and say, what do we have today? What do we have today? Because it's really, really easy when you're getting beat up uh, in the market, either by commoditization or, or, or whatever, whatever is challenging you. It's really easy to get focused on those problems and, 
and, and just kind of lose all of your your focus on on new and different solving problems you're just in firefighting firefighting mode and so uh thankfully like i said i was able to kind of break apart from some of that firefighting and basically i started asking questions like who are we as an organization you know we're we're in, we engineer solutions and we've been doing that for a really long time and so first we looked at that then we said okay what kind of organization do we want to be and we said, well, not only do we want to engineer solutions, but we want to bring value solutions to the market. We want to bring we want to bring solutions that actually solve problems and and, and that, that not only problems that we think are problems, but our customers know are problems and and are affecting their lives. And then I said, okay, what do we have to offer? And I said, man, we got a lot of experience making silicone hoses. We make uh, thermal plastics. We make pl other plastics and and foams and, and, you know, but we've really capitalized on a lot of the opportunities we could see in the market. Of course, we're doing some of those things as well. But what we looked at, as we said, there's a market inefficiency here, clear problems of digital products need to be used in things that we understand and they're not. So that's a clear problem. It fits who we are as an organization because they're engineered solutions to valued problems. So we looked at that and we said, okay, well, what do we know? Well, we know the, all these OEMs that we have these global partners with all these OEMs and we understand our business. And so we said, okay, that's what we know. That's who we are. And then the next step was to get into the field. We, we went to some, you know, essentially like speed dating type meet and greet. Uh, where you sit down with some startups and you talk to them about their technology. And so that was that was kind of the early process, for the, the, the thinking process, the strategic process that we went through to try to get to the point where we're at today, where we have a defined direction that we're moving moving into. And so you, 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 know, you began to meet with these startups, evaluating kind of getting a sense of the technology you're offering, beginning to try to see the connection with what they're talking about and and how FlexFab and FlexFab's customers can can bring that to life. And, and then you begin basically incubating that technology within FlexFab, yeah. correct? Right. Yeah, we we had to you know, we had to eat our own food, right? Like like you know, if if uh if you really want to know, you know, my my wife's a, a vegetarian and uh, she's always saying, I have no idea if what I just made is good because, you know, everyone else in the house eats me. So sometimes you have to eat your own food and you have to say, OK, how, do we understand what we're trying to sell? Do we understand, you know, how good it tastes? Does it need some salt and pepper? And so but I, I want to go back to the market inefficiencies, because the reason why I'm doing this podcast right now is to is to hopefully help other people that were similar situation to me, you know, feeling like. They got to find they got to find solutions to to you know evolve into new new spaces and so uh, for me it was about market inefficiencies and like I said before we understood the problems were clear now we got to look at the other side of of the the spectrum now we got to look at the startups and when I sat sat down with these startups what I realized is there's thousands and thousands and thousands of these startups with really really cool existing tech technologies and nine times out of ten they had um, they, they had some really, really um, common problems. Number one, they didn't have access to the market. Number two, sometimes they didn't know the problem that they could solve in our market. 
people aren't focused on Midwest manufacturers when they're a lot of times when they're thinking about developing new startup technologies. They're thinking about apps and they're thinking about, you know, uh, changing the world and social social media and things like this. And so so sometimes we had to identify the technology and say, hey, did you know that your technology could be used in manufacturing and we would love to help you take it there? And so it was access to the market. It was understanding of the market. And in some cases, uh, there was some funding issues. We don't focus on that. There's a huge amount of companies out there that are, that are willing to write you a, a check to help you keep things going. We love to invest in things that make sense to us and things where we can add value. And so if we see a technology that just needs a bump to be able to get to a place where it solves a problem that we understand, uh, then we can invest in that. But otherwise, what we're investing in, and most of the time the companies we're working with, all they need is that access, understanding of the, the use case that, that they can solve for us, and they need a partner to help with the sales and marketing. And so that's, that's, what, we brought, uh, that's what we brought. I love this notion of them not having access to the problem. <laughs> yeah. You've got a solution without access to the problem, <laughs> or you have yeah. a tangentially tangentially related technology solution, not realizing that it's applicable to something you don't even necessarily know about. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. Like helping them, helping them realize that you know, hey, did you realize that your technology could benefit manufacturers the world over if you just did this one exactly. little one little thing to think about there? And uh, you know, I. I it is interesting how people in the technology and startup space aren't often thinking about, you know, how how real products come to life in the manufacturing space. Yeah, and, and I don't want to I don't want to leave uh, you and the and the listeners with with the uh, with the wrong impression. Uh, these guys, nine times out of ten, they have a successful business. Uh, they're just not in this space yet, and and they have some scaling opportunity. And, and I also don't want to minimize. Sometimes they just need some bandwidth, some sales and marketing bandwidth. A lot of times these people are, are really, really awesome at the products that they make. Um, and they can do things that there's not one person on my team that's capable of doing, developing a technology and whatnot. And I'm, and I'm happy to share more about what technologies we're, we're getting into. But, you know, we can add what we do well, which is sales and marketing. They already did the hard work of developing a product that's awesome. And so that's that's what I, I love. I love tagging on. I, I love I love when their eyes light up when 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 you value what they've done. That's that's probably one of my favorite things. It's not lost on me that an organization that went uh, 50 some odd years without marketing and is all of a sudden helping others market. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's you know, you know, I'm not, I know we're not talking, we're not focusing in here on marketing, but for, from my perspective, I think everyone's doing marketing. It's just a matter of how, how efficiently and how, how, how defined your marketing initiatives are. I mean, we're, we're doing stuff at FlexFab now with digital marketing efforts that we weren't doing prior. And, and you need marketing skill sets to do that stuff. But FlexFab didn't get to the point that, that, that it's at. And these startups didn't get to the point that, that, that they're at uh, because some, uh, marketing jabroni like me, you know, came in with, uh, you know, the flashy catalog and whatnot. They, you know, they developed, they developed great customer service. They, they developed an excellent product that solves problems. And that's, that's all marketing. Um, it's just a matter of if you have somebody with a title or not. One of the things that I think is most interesting about it is just the way that 
you know, because I'm sure that the organization FlexFab and, and uh, you know, the people that you're working with, you know, whose idea was this? Was this something that you brought in? And uh, or was it something that they said, you know, Ryan, we're going to bring you in to do marketing, but then we want you to go out and find companies we've never heard of before and help them commercialize their product. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, I, I'm a I'm a very I'm a very blessed man. I I I, uh, I have the backing of a of a global company that says, hey, we trust you to to try to try to figure out what are the best avenues for us to deploy some resources to move into some different different spaces. And uh, I've listened to a lot of po- podcasts where I get frustrated because I don't have this or I don't have that. So you know, if you're listening to this and and you feel like, man, I wish my company would let me do that. You know, sometimes sometimes the, these types of ideas are really difficult to understand. And so if, if you're in if you're in my type of C, you have to find a way to communicate uh, in a way that people can consume. And that's the really the beautiful part. You guys have brought it up a couple of times. The fact that we ate our own food, you know, the fact that we validated within FlexFab, that was a big deal for uh for us to start moving forward in this project. And, and I don't want to leave the impression that we have, uh, you know, had a huge amount of success in this area. We're, we're pretty early in our launch, uh, but we believe that we're in a position to be successful with, with this with this launch. Are your digital marketing efforts bringing in too many junk leads? Stop wasting time and distracting your sales team. Account-based marketing can help give your marketing strategy the laser focus on qualified buyers that you need to increase your pipeline velocity, close more deals, and grow your business faster. We've created a sample manufacturing ABM plan to help you get started. Download the sample manufacturing ABM plan at bit.ly slash sample ABM. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash sample ABM. Well, let's jump into some of the technologies uh, that you're helping to bring to life here. You mentioned you'd be uh, willing to share with our listeners a few examples and help bring this to life. I'd uh, love to hear that. Yeah, yeah. I, I brought... Um... I brought three products uh, that I wanted to to share a little bit about, and I think I have some some stories behind them that that maybe might might resonate for for some of the listeners. So, the first product that I wanted to to talk about that uh, we're working with a company uh, out of Australia uh, that developed a uh, AI technology, um, and it's kind of funny just to kind of take a a sidebar here. Even in manufacturing, you know. AI and machine learning and all this stuff, like it's become such a buzzword. It's, it's, it's like, it's like innovation was like, I, I remember walking through trade shows, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. And every, you, you couldn't walk past a, a booth that didn't say innovative, you know, uh, on their, on their booth wall. And I think we're probably heading in that same direction with, with AI and machine learning. But, um, let me tell you how we're using this stuff and, and kind of get away from the, the, uh, the buzzwords, but Remy, what it does is it takes a, um, you know, in our case, in manufacturing, let's let's specifically talk about uh, automotive component suppliers. That's that's one of the things that we do. And so, one of the challenges, I don't know if you guys know this, but um, there's a really really huge supply chain issue globally right now, especially in China, um, where people people can't get their stuff out of out of China because it's uh, there's just a, a log jam there because of, uh, um, uh, you know, things shut down and then they restarted and, and all this caused supply chain issues. And so um, there's like really, really major issues right now 
manufacturing components in China and getting them to the US or other places as well. And so a manufacturing company, they have a couple options when they get demand forecasts from their customers. They can look at the demand forecast and they can say, all right, I'm going to believe this for what it is. And I'm going to say, all right, I need to make this amount of products and I'm going to deliver on this date. But anybody listening to this that's in this industry knows that that's, that's a really silly approach to have. And the reason why is because you're going to end up either with way too much, way too many products or not enough products. And so what happens is most companies uh, will overbuild for the demand. Uh, they'll make too much product, which is going to cause your, inv your, your inventory to skyrocket. It's going to cause all kinds of issues with cash flow and whatnot. It's also going to cause a bunch of issues with operations because now they're, they're in this, this, this peaks and valley type of environment. Uh, you're having to do a lot of turnover with your, your operations. Now you have training issues, all these things. Now you have uh, expedite fees, you know, your, your air freighting stuff, all is all because you have bad data, uh, bad data on the demand forecasting side. And so what we did was we applied this, this, this AI technology to all the historical data that we had. We went back three years um, and we gave it this data and we, and, and it can, uh, what it does is it'll actually go through on the product level. So, you know, we have something like 5,000 SKUs or something like that at, at FlexFab. It'll go through one at a time and it will analyze every, every single SKU against 15 or so world-class demand forecasting al algorithms. It'll analyze that. It'll see how it would have performed over time. And it will optimize uh, both uh, statistical analysis and uh, uh, supply chain algorithms uh, so that you can better demand forecast. Now, um, what it does from there is, um, is what we saw in, in actual results. Uh, the results for us, for specifically for the demand forecasting, uh, was a 60% improvement on demand forecasting from our current methods, which our current methods were basically taking what the customer gave, in, gave us, learning from that, applying some, uh, some formulas to it, uh, uh, and, and, applying, and applying some tribal knowledge to it. And so 60% improvement on demand forecasting, meaning you're 60% more accurate on how many products your customer is actually going to buy from you eight weeks prior is it, it will amount to millions and millions of dollars uh, of, of cash flow, uh, cash flow and, and inventory improvement over the course of a year. That's incredible. And that was, that technology was originally uh, being used in e-com, I believe, wasn't it? That's, that's right. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're using it in e-commerce, which is awesome. Th those guys need this technology too, but uh, very few manufacturing people realize this exists. And, and I'm not talking about just uh, smallish companies like FlexFab, uh, small, smallish global companies like FlexFab. I'm talking about, you can look at some of the largest suppliers in the automotive industry and they have this problem. This is a problem to be solved in, in this industry. Um, and and people don't know, they get overwhelmed. That, that's the other thing that we learned. Um, people get so overwhelmed by all of the options of Silicon Valley. I'm, I'm using Silicon Valley kind of generically, but all the options that, that they'll find when they do a Google search. You know, help me with demand forecasting. Ugh, just, you know, hundreds and hundreds of options. 
uh, and you're like, where do I start? What actually works? And that's what we're doing. We're actually validating it. We go through all that, um, that, that crazy amount of options. We validate it. We prove that it works. And then we take it to companies like us. Well, and I have to think too, you know, being a global manufacturer and backing a tool like this brings a certain amount of prestige and, uh, well, not just prestige, but, uh, you know, validation that, hey, this, this tool actually works, you know, it works in our industry and we can show you and we can prove it. And exactly. uh, we'd really like to help, you know, this company bring that to market and you know that that's going to be a uh, a major benefit to the to the companies you're working with i have to think yeah that that's the problem jeff is is that ai and machine learning have have become such buzzwords that people don't don't even doesn't even resonate with people anymore how it could bring value and so that's why it's so important that we can bring an example hey we did it you know we're happy to answer any questions. We can we can show you exactly you know the model that we used, and that's that 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 resonates well uh, with with target customers. Ryan, I don't want to uh, put too much pressure on you, but if your next two examples are half as good as this one, it's going to be really cool. <laughs> well, you know, I'm I'm pretty excited about the Remy product, but the other the other two products are pretty cool too. I think uh, the, the next product uses uh, Rota. Robot, uh, robotic process automation, also known as uh, RPA. Uh, and what robotic process auto automation is, is uh, it takes a manual process that you do on your computer, and everyone has them, and it automates it. It's really, really that simple. So uh, the, the Remy product is, is kind of the sexy one because you, you can talk a lot about supply chain and whatnot, uh, but this is the one that everyone needs. Um, and basically what it does, it's they, they've historically primarily used it for testing and validation of websites and software. That's a really important, really important uh, use case for it. But we looked at it and, and the, the problem to be solved within, within FlexFab was uh, we're talking to our customer care team uh, and they had what they called portal fatigue. And portal fatigue is where uh, you're doing a bunch of data entry and you're jumping from portal to portal to portal to portal uh, try, trying to check all the boxes and provide all the, the data for all of our OEM customers. And so we have dozens and dozens of customers. And when you have to meet all of their, uh, their specific needs, it becomes really, really overwhelming. And some of it is very, very repetitive. And so the question that we asked was, can we free up our people to do a job that a robot can't do? Can we free up our people to make decisions? Can we free up our, 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 our people to help the customers, to, to follow up with customers, to find out how we can help them more, to, uh, to find problems that, that need to be solved, to, uh, to go talk with, with the, uh, you know, their course, you know, other departments to learn and, and to provide feedback. That stuff doesn't happen in manufacturing today, not because people don't want to do it, but because they simply don't have the time to do it. And so, we actually found in our first validation period uh, with with this with this technology, uh, we actually found 1,500 hours of process time that we could automate for five customers. Um, we have something like 50 major customers, and we have thousands of total customers that all take a lot of time. 
in every single department, every single business, every person listening listening to to this, their company has manual processes that could be automated. That's very cool. Well, look, uh, you didn't disappoint. Um, <laughs> I, I, this is this is this is Matt, now now we're going to really put you on the spot. Third example. The, the third example. Um, I I have a. Uh, Actually, uh, I didn't tell the whole story, but this this is actually the the reason why I got into this this concept uh, was because of this technology. Um, I actually met met the owner of this company uh, at a class that we were both taking, uh, and uh, the professor uh, stood up and said, "Hey, we're going to talk about AI, uh, but I'm actually going to have Bob uh, explain it to you instead of uh, instead of myself." And and Bob got up and he talked so elegant elegantly about it. Uh, and I had to talk to him afterwards because I had ideas for how we could use this technology and, and, and what it is, uh, the company is called Weviate and uh, basically what they do is they make, a, they make all of our data useful, okay? So basically what's happened in manufacturing in a lot of different companies is they have data everywhere. Remember how, remember how I was talking about the industrial evolution? Part of the industrial evolution was people creating an, unge an ungodly amount of data. So manufacturing has data and quality has data and testing has data and purchasing has data. And we have the CRM over here and we have, we have all this data and none of it talks to one another. And so we're collecting all of this data and we're not getting any of the benefits of, of the insights from it. The other thing that happens is uh, there's many companies that spend a lot of time in, in merger and acquisition. And uh, so they have all of these ERP systems all over the place and they don't talk to one another. And so regardless if you're talking about an ERP system, if you're talking about testing data, if you're talking about engineering files, um, what this does, and this is a little bit less uh, you know, firm use case, uh, Carmen, but uh, what this does is it takes all that data and it makes it useful. And uh, how, we, how we started using this was with a quick quoting uh, uh, process. So everything we make is custom and everything that we quote is custom. And so we have decades of quoting information, quoting data. And we, a lot of times we'll start over kind of from scratch and you have to have tribal knowledge to pull from, from your past data. And so this can take all of that data. It uses the same type of semantic search, kind of like a Google search where there's meaning it connects the dots uh, between data points uh, and it will give you insights. Not only will it make the data where you can see it all in one platform and use it, but it'll also give you insights uh, to the data. And so it's a little bit more ambiguous. There's not a very, uh, you know, it's definitely this, this use case and, and nothing else because every company is different in what they need uh, for this type of application. And I have to imagine too, you know, simply being able to look at all of this data. I mean, we're we're awash with data and, and completely missing all the insights, you know, just like you're saying. Exactly, Jeff. Exactly. Having something that can kind of surface those insights and help you to provide better quotes or faster quotes or more accurate quotes. I mean, that that is of interest to so many manufacturers, and and I'm sure it's bringing great dividends to you folks as well. Yeah. Yep, and it's just a beginning use case. I'm assuming. I mean, uh, get it honed in there, and then we'll find other applications for the technology across the enterprise. I'm sure. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have a number of different ways to use it. Um, uh, and I, I had a, a, a use case with um, um, one of the companies I talked to. They create a huge amount of, uh, of data um, when they're doing their, their R&D testing. Um, and basically, if you don't find some way of using a technology like, like what I just talked about like with the knowledge graph and something that can connect the dots between data, um, basically what you're working with is an extremely manual process of, of somebody. And in some cases, it's dozens of people uh, digging through data to try to navigate their way to find insights. And what this does is it automates that. And, and it will, you know, any of us, if we're looking through a huge data set, our eyes will go, our eyes will go crossed, you know, and, 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 and eventually you get to a point where there's no return and you're like, well, I think I just lost everything. That was just a waste of time. You know, I, I didn't learn anything. If you have that type of data set, which we all do, all of all of all the companies we work with have those types of huge data sets. You need something like this to make the data useful and to make connections where you can actually get insights from the data. I, I think it, it's fascinating. And, you know, as I said off the top, you know, that your title is director of marketing and innovation and as you said, you know, it's become a bit of an empty word, but I think in this case, we're actually doing innovative things and thinking, and not just that, you know, as marketers, you're thinking in an innovative way about how to bring your skill set to expand the opportunity for an organization like FlexFab. And I think, you know, there's an awful lot of marketers who could be trying to do the same kind of thing. So, I mean, I, I have to ask, you know, as, as we close out the show here, what are you most excited about and what's coming next? Yeah, um, what I'm most excited about uh, is is to uh, continue to talk to um, startups with cool technologies that solve real problems and continuing to to get these products in the hands of real world applications. And um, because like I said, like I said at the beginning, um, if you want to go to one of these events, kind of a Silicon Valley event, there is not there is not a um, uh, there's basically no end to new technology that's being used to solve problems, but it's not happening in manufacturing. And what I want, guys, is I want the U.S. manufacturing efficiency. I want I want jobs back in the U.S. where we can be. Uh, I guess in Canada as well. Uh, let's let's get jobs back to back to North America. And the way that we do that is by using technology. The same way that we're using robotics, we can use AI. We can use machine learning to become more competitive, to learn, to 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 be um, uh, to do things in our market um, uh, that that you know you can't just apply low labor to. To, to use technology in a way where you can you can be empowering your people uh, to excel, empowering people to uh, do the things that they never have time to do. And that's really, you talk about innovation, Jeff, you want a company to innovate, you gotta find a way to give them the time to innovate. Now, people will try to set aside 10, 15% here or whatever, and it never works out because people get caught up in the whirlwind. People wanna innovate. They just don't feel equipped to do so. And so how, how do you do that? 
how do you instill, and that's probably maybe a whole another podcast, but how do you instill that innovative mindset in your organization so people are looking for these problems to be solved and then they can work on the things they want to work on? Like I was talking about with our customer care, where all of a sudden they have more time to talk to customers. They have more time to talk with, with, with their coworkers. They have more time to make important decisions versus data entry. And, and that's, that's what I want. That's, that's what I want kind of my, hopefully my little impact or our, our, our little impact on manufacturing uh, in our area. Well, Ryan, I, uh, I thank you for bringing this vision of kind of connecting the dots, if you will, between startup technology and manufacturing and having that real world impact. Uh, uh, I think it's a powerful one. I thank you for sharing it on the show and, uh, and thank you for leading the way with it, frankly. It's, uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Carmen, could I, could I direct people you know, flexfab.com forward slash digital? Uh, they can, they can learn about some of our products. They can see there, they can book demos. Um, once again, we're going to continue to grow, grow our product offering. And, and we would love to talk to them about their specific needs. Um, and, and I think they'll find a company they can relate to and a company that understands their problems. Um, and, and it'll probably be, it'll probably feel a little different than some of the large software companies. Um, but that's what we're looking for. So we're, we're excited to, to hear from startups and from those that, um, that can use our our services. Well, look, uh, we'll be sure to link that up in the show notes as well. Uh, thank you so much, Ryan. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, guys. All right. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring. <laughs>